Okay, here we are for our second podcast. Greetings. Yes, yes, the six, the six o'clock club is meeting at 11.30 in the afternoon. And what are we drinking? You were nice enough to bring a Point Premium root beer. Yes, from Stevens Point, I assume, right? Did you drive all the way there? <laughs> no, thankfully it was on the way. And I have a Red Bull because I didn't have any coffee. Mm. And it's perfect and delicious. And you texted me at like 4 o'clock in the morning that you were just going to bed? <laughs> no. It, okay. I Will you put on time delay just so I think you're cool? <laughs> uh, so fun last night. I have so many friends. Um, no, I was busy last night working on um, on a little side hustle I have. One of many? Yeah, until like midnight and getting it all ready for today. And um, I woke up and I saw that my text didn't send. So <sighs> I didn't know. And then, of course, the kids woke me up. We've got a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. Actually, almost five-year-old. Do they get you up at a certain time every night? Uh, Nuka, our youngest, he he likes to sleep in our bed. And we've been trying to transition him into his own bed. Um, But he's usually up around 6.30, and that's okay. Harry, (laughs) our almost five-year-old, will sleep until 9.30. Uh, he does virtual school, and we do homeschooling at 9, so we have to wake him up. The latest he ever slept in was 11.30. I went up just to check on him. <laughs> check to see if there was a pulse? Right. That's like... Maybe see if he on. swallowed a Lego, a bad yeah, exactly, Lego. Exactly, exactly. But it was, yeah, it's a having, I'm like, you know, I'm so tired. But last night, I go upstairs to bed. My wife, both kids, everybody's in our bed watching TV, 11.30 at night. And everybody is asleep except for the five-year-old, Harry. Little did you know you were tuning in for bed talk today with Holly. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. We so, are here for... <laughs> you came for motorcycles. <laughs> How yeah. to put a five-year-old well, to bed. Well, bed talk is, is appropriate because we're talking about waking up your bike. Oh, yes. You are amazing. You so, are so much better at hosting than I am. So waking up your bike in spring after a winter's nap. Which I got, it was yesterday, it was like, or two days ago, it was like 55 out. And I got all of our bikes outside. Uh, the Ural, I got it going. That was the first one good to go. Um, my Harry. And did you check to see if it's charging the battery? I did not. We should put uh, an amp meter on it for you so you can look to make sure, That's, just for that confidence, to make sure it's charging somewhere on 13 have, and a half yes. volts all the time. I have one, and it just kind of hangs off the side. Because you can, the, okay. you're just talking about like a standard quick plug. Sure. If, yeah. you, if you have the battery tender on, there's yep, yep. there's uh, voltage uh, gauges that you can just plug into your battery tender. Perfect. Um, yeah. And uh, so I didn't, but I so will. So that was a great lead-in. Because batteries is the first one on the list. See, I was going to jump to carburetors, but this oh, is again why you're such you're a good such host. A jump yes. around girl. So I did not. I, I did don't. You take, did you take your battery out of the bike over the winter? Door anything properly? Wait, where's the speed up knob? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did not take your battery out of your bike. Did you, you have a battery tender? Did you have it plugged in? No. Okay. So for those of you listening that do it correctly, correctly, (laughs) there's two ways that you would have taken care of your battery during the winter. One would have been to take it out of the bike, keep it in a warm house. Um, So I have multiple batteries. We have a couple bikes at the house. Okay. And then we have a lawnmower battery and a tractor battery. So instead of having six battery tenders, I have one. I put the board, the batteries on a board in the basement because there's a theory that if you put a battery onto concrete that it will drain to earth so you put on a board to insulate no that can't be real is it worth the try (laughs) i don't know do you want to take a 125 (laughs) dollar battery and gamble with it i oh boy okay i'm just it sounds like pseudoscience but now guess what i'm gonna do yeah, I'm going to grab... drains to earth? Right, I'm going to... No, I'm, I'm just going to put a piece of cardboard I think you something. should sit on the concrete and see if you drain to earth. 
<laughs> so, so number one, if you took the battery out, you would have been keeping it in the house. So I, I take the battery tender and I alternate it through the batteries. I'll keep a battery on the tender for three days. Usually it takes three days or so for it to come up to level. Okay. And you'll see the green light on the battery tender saying that everything's in good shape. If you left it in the bike, hopefully you had a battery tender on it and it's out in the cold, then you want to have a, a dedicated battery tender towards it. All the time. And then the battery should be in good shape. No kidding. If you did none of those... Um, I'm raising my hand. Then you want to take it to your local motorcycle shop and say, can you please test my battery and and see if it's good? Can you test a battery from home? Yes. And how do you do that? So there's a couple of ways. There's uh, inexpensive uh, checkers. You can first take a a digital... Lick two fingers and put two fingers on? (laughs) I thought you were going to lick both terminals at one time and I wanted to see that dungeon, Simmons. <laughs> that was an old, an old joke. Is how do you how do you get a girl at a bar? You lick your own forehead. <laughs> Terrible. We just lost so that our works. one viewer. <laughs> okay, go on. I, that's how they split their eyebrows, right? <laughs> so you oh, can God, you can take a multimeter good. and check your battery and see if it's at twelve volts. But you don't want to be testing the battery for. It's overall capacity. You want to be, or you do want to be testing for... You can do it by cranking the bike. I mean, that's the ultimate test, but there's sure. other ways to test. Because so. I, I, there's two different... There's overall capacity of a battery, and then there's how much is actually in there. Right? So... No? Yes? I told Alyssa, no... My wife. <laughs> no more. No, 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 no theories today. So <laughs> okay, fair enough. Just bring it to your local motorcycle shop. There's just so many freaking YouTube videos, and I feel like I check those out, and then it's so, like so the 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 chance that you take if the battery is low that you might uh, cause some or do some damage to some of the electrical components inside, like the starter, if it doesn't have enough to turn it over enough. So <sighs> if you if you hit the button. And it sounds like the little train that couldn't make it up the hill just stop right there. And either put it on a good charger, bring it to us, we'll put it on a good charger, and then we test it, and then we load test it to see if it is. So when we take bikes down for the winter and put them in storage, we load test batteries right away so we can tell people, hey, your battery's on the fringe, so come spring you're going to need a new battery because there's an opportunity that you're not going to make it through the season. So that's battery. Okay. Now, um, my Harry, my five-year-old, he's got an SSR dirt bike with training wheels that I was told we can't take off yet, but soon. And um, you got some work? Because sh- shop's open. Armbands. Shop is open. Nice. And, oh, okay. You know what? Quick little side, side segment. I'm going to see if I can throw you for a loop. You, I bet you can't throw me three feet, (laughs) much less the loop. You said, bring me my jacket. And I'm going to put a pocket in it, and and you brought me pants. I brought you some uh, uh, pants that I cut off into shorts. Where do you want the pocket, left or right side? I thought you were going to say... You want on both sides? Uh, Yeah, but... Wow, that was way easier. Okay, so listeners. So do you want a like little, pocket for pencils? Do you want nope, a pocket for got. a phone? Do you want a pocket for a sidearm? Oh, my God. So I had a gal come in. <laughs> she, she, awesome. she had a vest that um, had a concealed carry pocket in it, but she was in a wheelchair, <sighs> and it wasn't comfortable for her, so I put it above her left sister. Wow. That so is sewed a pocket right into the vest for Okay, her. we can, that so we, clearly we, shows that was a testament to any kind of garment somebody can bring you and say, hey, this is what I need. And you can put a pocket on, almost. Within limitations. Within limit. okay, okay. Yeah, back almost to, any within limitations. Back to motorcycles. Yep. So uh, my kid's SSR and my, I've got an 87 Kawasaki 250 KLR. So mm-hmm. that's an enduro. Mm-hmm. My kid's is just a regular dirt bike. His kicks over right away, of course. Chinese-made mm-hmm. SSR. Um, mine, I had to give it, kick it, and kick it, and kick it, and kick it, and kick it. 
walked away, came back, kick it and kick it and kick it. And then it started and stopped. So eventually I got it and I spun it around the yard a couple times, got full of mud. But so we're going to get there starting bikes, both fuel so, injected and carbureted. So do you want to go to there now? You want to go <laughs> there? On. How does my, does my battery affect a kickstart at all? No. Should I bother putting it on? Uh, you you need a battery in the circuit for the bike to run. The lights and all that kind of yeah. jazz. E- even if the battery's low, the bike is producing its own power to run. Okay. So what's tra- so there's a still an alternator or generator, something that's continually charging the battery. Correct. Do I have to bring that? Should I be charging that battery over winter too? Yes, you should. Okay. Just to get in a good habit. Sure. And not fe- make it feel bad that it's left outside in the cold. <laughs> okay. So batteries are good. Oil change. Didn't do that either. <laughs> so spring is a better, um, even if I don't ride a bike for 3,000 miles in a year, um, I will change the oil in spring. Spring because during the winter you could get condensation from heating and cooling cycles and you could get condensations inside oh. in, in the engine. So I prefer to change the here at the shop uh, when somebody wants an oil change, we'll do it in spring right before they're ready to pick up the bike. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So then, yeah. so then they have good fresh oil going. If if there is, if you changed it in fall, don't go outside. Take the drain plug out, and and Ron said you have to do it in spring. So what you just need to do is there's going to be moisture in there from condensation. You just want to make sure the first couple times that you run it, you run it long enough to get it through a good heating cycle that the engine is hot. Oh. Because if you do, if you short cycle it where you go out, you run it for five minutes and shut it off, you didn't get the condensation out of the oil. This is the, I, this is, when I said we should do a podcast, this was exactly what we were looking for. What I was looking for. It really is. That was a perfect you know, that was perfect. Okay, so. So one other important yeah. thing, when you're doing the oil change, when you take off the oil filter, make sure the old seal is on the old oil filter. We have had a few <gasps> times where the old seal stays on the engine. You put the new filter on, and then you go to start the bike, and it is spray galore. Oil goes all over. Oh, good so, call. So, so you want to make sure. I've done it on a car one time, too. Oh. So. So, so I always try to try to make sure that so, the old uh, seal is on the old filter. Now I know we have one listener, one subscriber in California who we suspect. Do you want to give shout outs? I believe that would be my daughter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Spread the word. Yeah. Um, she damn. She probably gets a family discount too, doesn't she? Yep. So we're not making any money yet. But we already talked about this. Zero minus zero is still zero. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Um, if somebody, no, not if, when people are doing this in spring, for me, I know I can come here and get everything I need, bring it back to the farm and do it myself. Theoretically, mm-hmm. <laughs> knock on wood, um, somebody is out of state and you're doing it. Is it, I mean, just to be fully honest, if somebody said, Hey, you know, I heard the podcast, you guys, you, you really know exactly what you're talking about. Here's my bike. Tell me what I need and send it to me. Is that cost uh, we, smart, we can, or would we, you just say just go to your local place? We can drop ship it, so okay. that's not a even problem. something we'll, like oil and an oil filter. We do that. We do it all the time. Really? Yeah, that is fantastic. Well, it's simple things as uh, caliper rebuild kits or whatever, because some people uh, live remote and sure. and they don't have a shop near them, and that is th- awesome. th- they're comfortable with us because we sold them parts uh, sure. online and. We let them know that the parts were going to need to be rebuilt, and they got them, and they said, yeah, you were right. They need to be rebuilt. Can you help me that out with the fantastic. parts? So we also can rebuild parts before we ship them out, but sometimes people just like to get them in their hand first. So I, when I used to work for my dad's company, I'd like to try to trick them into things and force them into it. Um, so do you do YouTube videos for maintenance? We've been talking about that. Okay, I was going to say, if not, guess what? <laughs> People are going to be asking for it. I think it would be great. You know, I mean, it is, every bike is different, right? But um, I, I just say, you know, doing those little things, the oils and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So next, um, even if in the fall you had changed or sometime during the previous season you changed your air filter and you're just riding around in the city, 
chances are your air filter is going to be fine. But the good th- good reason to check it is because sometimes there are little varmints called mice uh, that <laughs> like, yeah. like to go make homes. So besides checking your air filter to make sure it's clean, you're try- trying to make sure that somebody didn't build a condo okay, so uh, right on I the same housing. I didn't do that either. So I didn't do the battery. I didn't do the oil change. And the check air filter, we have barn cats. See, so this, I is, this is why you're our friend. Either. Yeah. But you're not making money off me. <laughs> I think you lose money on me coming here. <laughs> um, okay. With the air filter, I, when I was in high school, I was all about aftermarket air filters mm-hmm. because they're supposed to be so much better. And now I've, now that I'm older and I'm starting to. So some do know. promote better airflow. Uh, when, when you. We'll always take a look. If somebody has an aftermarket high flow air filter in it, then we clean them and re-oil them. Okay. Because their bike is hopefully tuned for that air filter. That I do have a okay, on a tangent away from the air filter, a friend of mine has I forgot to write it down. Um a newer well, it's a naked sport bike. Um anyway. Really wants Adam an, and Eve version, right? He wants a an Akrapovich pipe for it. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know this, but did you know the owner of Akrapovich? Do you know his first name? Igor. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, props to that's a great name. Akrapovich. Akrapovich. Yeah. I've heard so many different. Everybody's like, no, it's Akrapovich. No, it's. Okay. Smith. So we got them all covered now. Yeah. So what's the Uh, question? Nobody knows how it's actually pronounced. So he's wondering, it's a newer bike that he has, uh, I'll say like a 21 or something, you know. Um, He wants to put it on, but he's like, yeah, I know I got like eight. First of all, he wanted me to ask you if you have any used ones. And I said, I'll look into it. I know he's got to get a, you know, probably a custom pipe and all that jazz. But for getting, he said, now I got to get a tuned and I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I I, ah, I am not the person to ask. But have I done it? Yes. Without tuning? Yes. Do I regret it? No. So quick answer is you do need to pay attention to it. Best answer is listen to the to the future podcast on tuning your bike when you want to change intake or exhaust. Oh, genius. Keeping you on track, darling. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm gotten so, show notes. So, uh, I tried to go on a bike from front to back. We've gone through uh, l- looking at your tires. You're looking at at the tread. You're looking in the treads. You're looking for cracks. Uh, the, the number one thing you see here, I've wrote. The number one thing to check is tire pressure. Tire pressure. And in case you forget, <laughs> it's tire pressure. So we have people coming in with everything that we do. We always check what? Uh, tire pressure. Yes. And if somebody comes in and asks us to tighten up a screw on a backrest on the bike, we will check. Um, pressure located inside the tire. Exactly. I'm getting this. I'm getting this. So we'll have people coming in with 10 pounds of pressure. And we'll have people coming in going, I think my bike is whacked. It's handling all kinds of crazy. And we'll go in, we'll fill up the tires, and I'll take it for a ride. And the bike is, and they sit and sing the praises that I'm some kind of genius. And, and all then I did, you charge them $300. <laughs> you are. For overpriced service. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Never in a million years here. Um, okay, so, but here's. So, so tire pressure, you want to check for dry rotting both in the treads and on the side. Very, very important thing. For tire pressure, this is crazy. Working for my dad's old business, for 18 years we did heavy construction, and Mm -hmm. we had massive trucks with big tire pressure. And we've got on the farm massive tractors with big tire pressure. And somebody said, no, you, the tire pressure on there says numerous different things. Between a range. So it depends on what you're doing. So when you know your tire pressure on on a car... It's located inside the door, not on the tire, Correct. at least on a Volkswagen. It, it's it's still on the tires, but it's really sti- frustrating. But it will still be, you should still look at what the vehicle recommends. Okay, so you can have a tire, the same thing with a motorcycle. Correct. Right? So 
the adage that some of the people are saying on the construction site is it was um, it was like a four ply heavy duty tire on a truck. And it was something like 60 PSI. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. 60 to 80. Never do more than 40. And I was like, oh, God, no. And so we're talking to a tire guy. And tire guy says, no, you have to do what is recommended. And they said, no, that's to sell more tires. And it's like, so, Jesus Christ. So so what we do on our, on our towing truck is when we're out um, just driving with it because it needs exercise, I keep it about 50 PSI. If we're towing a heavy trailer uh, behind it, and then I'm using the truck for what it's truly meant for, right. then I'll run at 80 psi. Okay, but, but that makes 80, sense because 80, it's there, putting more pressure on it. There's a certain amount of suspension that you get out of the tires. Same thing sure. with with the motorcycle. So um, most bikes, you're kind of safe at in the mid 30s for poundage. When you get to touring touring bikes, we run higher poundage. So even though the bike might say 35 PSI, uh, typically on a Goldwing or even on a Harley, we run heavier pressures and you will know that you need to go up. If you look at your tires, specifically your front tire, you'll see scalloping in the tread. And if you're not sure- What do you mean scalloping in the, okay. Oh, thank you for that lead in. So if you take your tire, your hand and rub it over the tire, it's not going to be smooth. You're going to feel jagged edges and that's because the tire's wearing unevenly. So it could be wearing unevenly for two reasons. One, because you have poor tire pressure. And the second one, which we're going to get talk about a little bit later, will be because your forks need attention. Okay, and I didn't do that either. So... <laughs> okay. In, in so, so tire pressure, just check your tire pressure. For sure. Make, make sure it's up to par. Best is to check the recommendation on the bike. So on, uh, you get an owner's manual. You can look anything up on Google. You can ask Siri. She might even know. Even but if ask it's a her Russian, nicely. Russian owner's manual? <laughs> yeah, just drink vodka before you read it. So, okay. That's next we, week at six. We're like, we're about halfway through. And I'm wondering, everything that you said, if I do it myself, I know I'm going to be missing stuff. And when I did, I used to, for eight, like... Oh God, third time I'm going to have to say it. I did fix garage doors. And I was one of the better technicians in the Milwaukee area. I was really proud of that. Um, with a huge attention to detail. Um, there are things that... I bet that business had its up and ups and downs. Yes. God damn it. I fell into that one. <laughs> anyway... I'm going to delete it. Wait, I bet that business has its ups and downs. See, now when I redo this... I'll be the first one to say it. Okay. Um, but I would notice things, you know, as you're working on it, you start to notice things like, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. The clutch, the brake, something. So I am super happy to help people do these things and come in and ask. And we have a lot of gals come in and I want... I tell people there is no stupid question because I want them to know their motorcycle so that if they're out on the road and they think that the oil is low or something, I want them to know how to check their oil. For sure. I want them to know how to check their own tire pressure no, so that they can take care of it. And They um, haven't standardized checking oil pressures or checking the oil, oil level. level. No. That seems so ridiculous, but it's some bikes you tip up, some bikes you don't tip up, some bikes you screw in all the way, some bikes you don't screw it in all the way. Right. How? So, I mean, is is there's no way to know just looking at it other than reading. When the there's manual. a when there's a window on the side, that's the easiest. Okay, so, you'd always tip it up then. Yeah, straight, and you pretty much unless you're a Chinese gymnast, you need a friend then to look at the window. <laughs> But unless you're one of those kind of people that can kiss your own ankle, you can then check it yourself. Uh, so the other the other way that I do it, uh, if I don't have a friend, is I stand the bike up, take my phone down, just take a picture of it. Oh, that's and good. Could, yeah, that's I, good. I love new phones. Yeah, yeah. So, so how much do you guys charge to do if I bring in my, you know... Great question. So... If, my kid's bike versus my bike versus my Russian bike. If, if Don't rub your head. You squint if, your eyes and rub your head. God damn it. You didn't sell those it was, over I winter. Was, I was adding. I was adding. 
the computer, the, the brain was on overload. Well, normally, but for Holly, we, we had in a couple of zeros. So if it's a bike you've had and you're familiar with, what I like to just do, I don't want, I, I'm not the world's greatest salesman. That's why I'm, I don't, you know, I'm, I have a jacket yeah. with a hole in the pocket and whatever, because... Um, you I are try the quintessential Milwaukee I, motorcycle shop owner. I try and take perfect. care of people. Everybody works hard for their money, and I try and take care of people because when you do, they're going to come back, and they're going yeah. they're going to tell their friend on the way here. But if if you're telling me that hey yeah just if you could just kind of look things over, I'll ask you if you had an oil change, and if you say no, that's great because then when you've had when you do the oil change as the oil's draining. We're going to sit and look at your brakes. We always check what on every bike? Tire pressure. Exactly. Yes. We're going to look at the fork seals. We're going to look at those things that are on the outside. We're not going to, unfortunately, go and check the air filter because the air filters are, you know, some bikes take uh, a little bit of work to get to them. But we'll take a look and see if there's any signs of rodents. If, if on the top of the engine you bring it in and there's some uh, mouse droppings on it, I'll say, hey, Holly, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer, but we need to get in take a look at the air filter we, on the bike because I have probable cause. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It should get flagged. Yep. When a bike comes around, there should just be a flag. I sold, when I sold my Ducati Multistrada, um, I was absolutely heartbroken, but I knew it wasn't appropriate to put my, at the time, two-year-old on the back of that thing. What's that? Duct tape. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like, oh, if his feet can reach the pegs, it's legal. And I'm like, I, I'll move the pegs if I need to, but I don't know if it's still a good idea. But anyway, and I did, yes, I looked into a seatbelt on the back of a Ducati. And no, I did not do it. But um, I met the guy halfway to Madison. And uh, so it was like in my last hour trip with it. And I had a lot of fun on it. It, it was a bike. I... I achieved, I felt that I had achieved that like level of status in society driving on my Multistrada and so sad when I had to get rid of it. But, um, he came to look at it and he's like, or I'm sorry, when I went to drop it off, he's like, um, you know, it looks good. He's got the cash in hand. He pulls the seat off. There's the condo. There's a freaking pile of. I of from mice and I'm like God. Did they jump out? Damn it! No, who knows? I did have a mouse crawl up my windshield one time, on the road. Um, but was he, was he crossed with a spider? So he just kind of like his little suction cups. Please pull over! Um, Wait, I th so here's: Did you pull over, or did you hit the windshield wipers? I <laughs> put a little parachute on him. No, I pulled into a parking lot. Turn off my car, and all of a sudden, he goes crawling up, and I popped the hood, went inside, did what I had to do, came back out, and I'm like, I hope he's gone. But, um, and then my brakes were were loose. My one of my brakes was was loose, and he's so we adjusted the price, and I just I was devastated because I started up that motorcycle as steadily every three weeks because I drive, I try to ride year round. So dryer sheets are a good thing to work, to put though? underneath the seat. Um, you can like in our lawnmowers and stuff, um, and cars that I have sitting. I'll put steel wool in the exhaust pipe along with a dryer sheet. So then, if you forget and you start it, it can. Yeah. It's not hard enough, uh, like putting a potato in there. Right. <laughs> or you can blow out a muffler. Right. So okay, uh, that putting, makes sense. So putting the dryer sheets by the air intake. Uh, will yeah. help. No, nothing is secure, but uh, if you have a definite threat, if you're in a barn parking yes. your bike, yes, um, we I'll have nine I'll, out buildings. I'll put uh, mouse traps around it. Okay, so so I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but you've got one or two customer bikes that you're storing, maybe one or two hundred customer bikes that you've got next door. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what do you do to prevent mice? You just have. I mean, do you, how do you guys not have 5,000 mice next door when I've got, at the time I had one motorcycle with mice. How do you, I mean, that's. So I run mouse traps by the doors. Okay. And because we have dogs, I have to use regular mouse traps. I can't use bait or oh, I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. use poison. Um, so then, but 
Uh, so I put them by the door because that's the likely point that they're going to come in. And um, I, I get more of them in the regular building here because there's food in the building. There's really nothing to eat over in the— I don't understand why they have to go to a motorcycle that's been sitting— for two weeks, it's cold. The motor is cold. And what do they do? They're like, oh, I know right where I can go. What the shit is that? Go in my toolbox. I don't care. Nope. They want to run across dishes and forks and knives. And okay. So brakes. Yep. I did not check the brakes either. So an easy way to check the brakes is on most bikes. Obviously, go ahead and grab a handful of brake and right. see if there is some to make sure you have brakes because sometimes pressure can let down during the off season. But that makes to, sense. To, to so if you have good brake pressure, then um, you can take a flashlight and look down the brake rotor and see how much pad you have left. So t- typically, a pad is going to be um, if I say three sixteenths of an inch. Are you comfortable with what three sixteenths of an inch is? I am. Yes. Now, I'll say this, though. Just to clarify, I think brakes can be confusing for a lot of people. They'll say caliper, and they'll mean rotor. They'll say brake pad, and they're looking at... Because, you know, you can, you don't really see the brake pad unless you you know right where it is and how you, the mechanism you got to look down right alongside the rotor. So the rotor is... The round item that the, the brake pad rubs big against. metal one. Yep. Bunch of holes in it, which S- some could, pulls some hot don't. air yep. out of it. Yep. yep. And then you've got the caliper. Yep. That's the... Squeezes the pads together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looks like a piece of... What? What does it look like? It's hard to describe it. The only other thing over there. <laughs> and then the thing you don't see is where... And it is actually neat. If you squeeze it, the brake, you'll see it engaging and disengaging. The little vacuum inside. Correct. Yeah. So you just want to take the opportunity to look at your brake pads and see that you have enough brake pads. If you need service, if there's, uh, you don't have brake pressure or whatever, then call in and we okay. can help you with that. So, I mean, again, I go back to so we we did, we should establish a price. What do you get for full service? You know, on a bike like mine. So my mine's an eighty-seven KLR two fifty kickstart. What so, would you? So brake pads are typically. I've never done anything to it. I bought it last year. The guy maintained it really well, and it's like, yeah. Brake pads know. are typically somewhere around thirty-two to fifty dollars per set, depending okay. upon the type of bike. And then for us to install them on an open wheel bike, uh, like a Multistrada, yeah. thirty-five bucks. Okay. So if, if it's on something like a Goldwing where they're covered up and, and we have to do more, th- then they'd be a bit so you more. So don't, you don't have like a, I guess you can't really have a set price on pulling your bike out of, oh, excuse me, uh, it's a Red Bull, pulling your bike out of storage and saying, here's everything we have to do. So when, when, know, cu- when customers bring in their bike... And they like me who say it runs great. It sounds perfect. I need nothing done. Don't screw me over. I've got $48 in my pocket. So so when the bike comes in for storage, we go through, we take care of the battery over the winter, but and then we put fuel stabilizer in. We ask for it to come in full of fuel. We put stabilizer in it and then we run the bike in order to get that fuel into the system. Okay. If it's an injected bike, uh, then we want to, again, make sure it's into the system. If it's a carbureted bike and there is a fuel valve on it, we'll turn it off and then we'll run the fuel out of the carburetors. So that brings you to starting the bike or gas portion of this. Yes. Which so, is at the end, but we can bounce yeah, around. No, I like I'll that. So, with, 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 with a fuel-injected bike. You're so relaxed. <laughs> the the, the fuel-injected bike will, for all general purposes, start up no problem because, okay. because of the pressure within the system. Bikes that would be a little bit grumpier are carbureted bikes. So if, Which I only have. Yep. So with carbureted bikes, um, you're going to put some kind of fuel additive. With all bikes, you're going to put some kind of fuel additive in to stabilize the fuel. Okay. Um, for those of you that don't have ethanol in your fuel, uh, I'm an MDSU. But here in the city in Milwaukee, we have ethanol in up to 10%. So we have to counteract it with additives to work against or 
uh, uh, pr- protect our, our engines from the ethanol. What is ethanol doing in gas? It is helping support farmers. <laughs> so th- it would make too much moonshine, <laughs> which I wholeheartedly would support. Any of you out there that know, know me, if you have some home recipes and you want to share I'm, them, I'm yeah, I, I've I, got- I w- Send me your address. I will visit you. I do have, uh, I've, I've got some beer brewing at home. I've got a porter. No, I'm sorry. It's a peanut butter stout. And uh, we also have a wine that, that that we're waiting to bottle. But yes, that was on our list was <gasps> moonshine. So getting back to carbureted yeah. bikes, um, you hopefully turn the bike off, the fuel off. When you start a carbureted bike up uh, in spring, Sometimes they're going to be grumpy. Sometimes it will just be the, the dream and take off. Other times they're going to be grumpy. Uh, multiple carbs on a bike. I'm going to get on it, sit on it, and get that carb, get the gas going um, inside the carbs. And sometimes, even though you got all the gas out, a float wants to stick. So I will bounce the bike back and forth between my legs um, in order to get uh, try and get those floats not sticking. How do you do that with a sidecar? Very carefully. For, for, for the one person that's listening, if they have a sidecar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would probably get on the pegs and... and Try bu- to just bu- wiggle it. Yeah. Bounce, yeah. bounce it violently. So, you know... Uh, Throw a little tantrum on it. Everything we're going over, it's so funny. Yours, I feel like this is the worst way you could ever make money, is by talking to me <laughs> and on next year. I seriously am thinking, this whole time I'm thinking in my head... Why did I not just bring all of my bikes in? Just do it. Just bring them in. We get people that get tired of having their carburetors done every year. It's, and, and that's and, just and, it. And I've, all I've got are carbureted bikes, which I love. And, you know, I, I'm i thinking, okay, here we go. And I get it going. I get it moving. And I'm starting to hear a sound. And I'm thinking there's no way you guys would hear that sound and say, oh, I wonder what that is. You know, you would... Diagnose it. Does it sound right? Does it smell right? Is the ex- we try and pay attention to those sounds as we're putting them away for storage because the last thing you want to do is call somebody and say, "Hey, yes. we had your bike all winter. We put it away, and now there, there's a mystery sound coming from it." So you're telling me you can get free said. service out of this? No. <laughs> No, it was but, fine. But, but, but when we, I dropped it off, it was a year. No, when I dropped it off, it was a 2021. We call that the never used to. <laughs> the never used to. Never used to. Okay, so what do we got next? We, we checked brakes. Yep. Uh, we, you Which check? I also so didn't if, do. If you have a, uh, a coolant, uh, a radiator on the bike, you just want to check your coolant level and make sure it's a good level. Where do you check that? In the coolant system, of course. Yeah, not on the taillights. So, so, some bikes, it's easier than others. Some bikes, it's hidden. Uh, there could be, an, uh, there most likely be an overflow tank, so you're going to okay. have to take a look uh, for your overflow tank. And in between, on the, over, on the, bike, on the overflow tank, there's going to be a low and a high level. Oh, okay. So you want to make sure it's between the low and high level. Okay. Um, and if it's down, uh, fill it up to the high level. And then run the bike and get it up through a heat cycle. A heat cycle is once the fan goes on. No kidding. So then you know your engine is hot once the, once the fan goes on. And then shut it down, and you want to see if it uh, draws heat back. So. Are we going to take a break? Yes, we are. That sounds good. Let's take a little break. Okay. We'll be back. Okay, and we're back. Perfect. Testing one, two, three. Yeah. I'm going to crack open my first point premium. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. To the second show. So you wanted to guess sounds, so I have one for you. (laughs) So I I think instead of guessing sounds, I would like you to replicate a sound. Okay. So it would be replicating... A CB750 that's only hitting on three and a half cylinders. Taking a break? We gotta take a break. That's fine.
Okay, and we're back, hopefully. Yes. Testing one, two? Yep, we're good. Got confirmation. Um, so, where did we leave off? Ooh. Do we you remember? Talking, we were talking about fuel. Yes, we were talking about a lot of things. Yep. So, should we move on to fork seals? Because I think I interrupted fork seals. I've never checked them. I didn't even know you had to check them. So, we covered them lightly, but the main thing you want to do is when you're looking at your fork seals... Sometimes if they're leaking really bad, um, you'll see the oil running right down the forks. But before that, you will see rings of dirt above them. So as the fork compresses, it'll push the oil up and then the dirt with it. So you'll see a ring of dirt going around the fork. Explain that. Okay, so the... So, so on a motorcycle, the front forks are your your front shocks, your, yep. your hydraulics, the... They give you the, your push to the push. Might be the only shiny thing on your motorcycle. <laughs> That's how all of ours yeah. are. Okay. So there's oil inside there. Right. And then um, as the seal wears out on the fork, the oil can go past it. Oh, okay. So where we so were talking the scalloping of tires before, if yes. you have one fork seal that is leaking and one that is not you have an imbalance in between those two fork legs can cause scalloping on the tire. No kidding. Yeah. So there's no way to see the seal though, because that's. So there's a dust wipe on top and then the seal is down below. So you, you just need to look at the forks and see if there is oil that is leaving a ring around the top. Uh, and so if you seal. compress the front, you know, kind of yeah. just lean into it, pull it back, you would. <clears throat> So hold oh, that, on. hang on. I don't know if we're picking up that audio. Hold the front brake. That is a beautiful audio right there. You would hold the front brake and then push down, push forward on the bike. <laughs> yeah, and you're I suppose holding the front brake will help yep, <laughs> push yep. it through the garage. Yep, it, because then you're going to compress the front. And if there's a little ring of dirt. You, you can do that a few times, and it's going to take some t some riding time in order to accumulate the dirt. And, sure. But if you do that, and you get off the bike, and you look, and you see a ring of oil there, a pronounced <sighs> ring of oil, then it is. No so kidding. Then it's time to replace the seals. Replace the seals. And then depending upon how bad it's leaking, so if it is leaking down, on its own, and you can see it. Sometimes you might see a drip on the garage floor, and you're going, what the heck is that from? For sure. And you can see it dripping from the bottom of the fork. Then you also need to look at your brakes, because sometimes it can leak so bad that it saturates your brake pads with uh, fork oil, okay. which is counterproductive to stopping. <laughs> yeah. And I really hope the audio is picking up whatever motorcycle is downstairs getting fixed, because I can hear it very faintly. It's a beautiful sound. Um, so when you do the fork seals, I, I, again, I wouldn't have thought of it, which is one more reason why I'm thinking I should just bring my bikes in and cause you got, I, yeah. So that is Holly speaking. That is not a push for all you to bring your bikes in. Yeah. Feel free to call and ask with your questions yes. because I love for people to know how to work on their own bikes yeah. and to look at their own bike and understand whether it is good or needs help. And then the important thing is also is to know the appropriate time in order to ask for help. So there's certain things that I'm good at, certain things that I'm not. And yeah. so I, I have no shame in saying, you know what, um, somebody else needs to do this part because I, think, I can't do it all. I think that's what makes you a good boss. From my observation, you know, I'm 40 years young and I'll say I can recognize a good boss. And one of the in my opinion, one of the biggest things is when a boss, no, I should say, I'll, I'll even be more specific, an owner of a company has a very hard time letting other people do things because I can do it better myself. Just let me do it. And then they overwork themselves. You dictate a lot of stuff to your employees, which is awesome. And you feel comfortable with them. We have to because I can't cover everything. And with 13 people here, they all have to be able to partake. Yeah. And we try and cross train so people aren't just responsible for one thing that if somebody is missing, uh, somebody else can pick up. Did That's you want awesome. that via Venmo for that compliment or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, let me, let me rewind and pause it quick. Um, and I want to say, okay, so the some of the things that I wanted to talk about um, is, you know, when I, when, I, when I was getting the bikes out of storage and so far I haven't done anything right. But um, 
It is uh, very therapeutic. And I was thinking to myself, I did start working on because I pick up bikes from you that are salvage bikes, bring them up to our farm. I take them apart and then I bring them back in pieces and they're all labeled. And then you take it from there. And I just kind of help out where I can. And I take a great deal of pride in, in what I do, even though it might be an 87 shadow something small and what most people would say is insignificant somewhere out there i know there's the same bike that is somebody's pride and joy the first bike they ever had something special about it and they're saying oh crap i need this part and i don't want to pay for a new one i can't buy a new part for it so the part that i'm taking off you know some junker of a bike is going to end up you know, on somebody's dream bike, possibly. And I take and, a great deal And not deal just pride. here in Milwaukee. It could right. go anywhere in the world. That's really cool. I So when I'm taking apart, uh, right now I'm working on the uh, Victory... Ve Vegas? Vegas, yeah. And, it, I mean, it's a beautiful bike to begin with. So I'm, you know, there's no scratches on the paint and all that kind of stuff. But as I'm taking it apart and I'm labeling each part, I'm putting back every nut and bolt I can. And if my table doesn't have any nuts and bolts when I'm done, I've succeeded. Now, truth be told, I haven't done that yet. There's always a couple, because what happens is I got to take off a couple bolts, like I took off the battery box yesterday, and there's a front battery box and then the uh, the back of it. So now I've got four screws I'm trying to hold in my hand while I'm taking it off because I don't want to set them down, label the battery box, if you, pull them, if you put them in your mouth, you don't have to worry where they are. <laughs> and that's just it. I've got multiple pans. I take um, uh, paper towel rolls, those huge commercial paper towel rolls. I've got one on a big spindle above my, my bike rack. And I'll put the paper towel down. I'll write on it with a magic marker, battery box. And then I put the screws right on top of that word. And that... But what I'm getting at is I know it's a stupid battery box with some stupid screws that nobody probably cares about. But in that moment, it's the difference between somebody going, where in the hell are those screws? And this one came with the screws. So when we list our parts, I enjoy the fasteners being with it because people are going to be looking at our parts along with 50 other parts on sure. eBay. And if we have all the fasteners, all the spacers, and our part is represented well, our part will sell sooner. For sure. So. And again, it's I, I feel that the pride that I have in taking apart a bike is showed through with all the steps of getting the bike, making sure it's, you know, everything is good. Maybe you've got um, title or no title, all that kind of stuff. The ignition, the mileage on the bikes. Who cares about the mileage on some insignificant part? But it is nice that you guys label mileage on all the parts. Mm -hmm. And that's I, that's where it's like, no, this isn't just selling used parts on well, eBay. This when, is you're, a, when you're looking at a rim or something, the mileage matters because if, sure. if a bike has 3,000 miles on it compared to a bike with 150,000 miles on you yeah, know, somebody's gonna want to look at it and say, "Well, I'm gonna buy that 150,000. I should probably plan on putting new bearings in it right away." But that's the so cool it helps thing. Some to understand. You don't have to it. be open and honest about that. You could easily say, "Oh yeah, that's all I got," you know. But it's like, no, that's not the kind of operation that you run. And I, I just think it's so. That was the one thing that I really wanted to touch base on was working on uh, the motorcycle for the first time in you know um, this year. And uh, just how therapeutic it is walking around the table, taking off parts, labeling them. I wrap them up in blankets, towels, you know, pillow, old pillowcases and whatnot. And it's just a, there's a great deal of pride. And I think all of your employees, I hope <laughs> all of your employees have that same level of pride. Now, I don't do it every day, nine to five. <laughs> I get that. But OK, so uh, let's see. Clutch adjustment. I'm just like, hang on. I didn't do that either. <laughs> I didn't. So far, we, we can go So back. you want to check your clutch first. Okay. So if you have a master on the clutch side, on the left side, on the handlebar, um, it's a hydraulic clutch. And sometimes some clutches, some, some bikes, uh, new and old, will just uh, give up on pressure for the clutches. So you want to check. Uh, easy thing to do is put the bike in gear 
and you can, without the bike being started, um, just push it backwards because uh, that's the easiest way to push when you're sure. sitting on a bike is backwards. And uh, with, the, with the clutch pulled in, see if it goes backwards. If it's not going backwards with the clutch pulled in, your clutch most likely isn't working properly. So you may need to have the uh, attention paid to the clutch with no either kidding. having it bled first yeah, oh. to get pressure back. Is that something you can do yourself, do you think? Yes. I mean, anybody can do anything, right? But do you think it's uh, simple enough that somebody could call up, give you a diagnosis, and then... We've talked people through it, yeah. Okay. That's so, so, fair enough. Yeah, so the easiest thing is if you are not if you have a hydraulic clutch and you're not getting uh, good pressure, is look on YouTube University for your specific bike. So are you being serious? YouTube University? Or are you just saying no, YouTube? No, so, no because th- there's so many people out there that have nothing better to do than uh, film themselves yeah. bleeding the clutch <laughs> that <laughs> go out and take advantage of it. Sure, so. sure. That's fair enough. Okay, so there's a hydraulic clutch and a cable then? So, yes, on a cable, um, you want to take and pull the cable, pull the uh, clutch lever in and let it out. And you want a little bit of free play at the end. You don't want it to be tight when it's all the way out there. So if it's not, doesn't have a little bit of free play that you can feel a little bit of looseness in the lever, you want to adjust it so that okay. so that there is, if it's too tight, you don't know that you're fully letting your clutch out and you could be burning oh, up your clutch. I never would have, see, God damn, I never would have. I am working on, my wife's got a 74... 74 750F Honda CB. I said that all backwards, but that's okay. And um, it wasn't running when we got it, but I'm slowly getting it going. I need some new throttle cables. I keep a 550? Might be a, maybe it is a 550. It might be a 550. Um, do you need to, to resituate yourself? No. I was just making room so somebody could walk past. For sure. Um, so... The world does not stop for a podcast. <laughs> it doesn't mind. Um, anyway, so I am just, you know, I've, I have a pile that there is a lot going on with that motorcycle and I'm trying to get slowly work on it and it's not going as easy as what I thought it was. And, but the clutch is one of those things that as I'm working on it, I put on new, I wanted it to be more. Um, just a little bit more streamlined. So I'm redoing the handlebars configuration. So I'm, of course I'm messing with the clutch and now I never would have thought like, hang on. It's not just a matter of taking off, uh, you know, the, the clutch lever and putting on a new fancy clutch lever. It's, and this will be another whole, whole new segment because I am an advocate of getting something running before you try and make it pretty. Ah, oh my God. That's a great, okay. See, we've got. (laughs) More to go. So get it running before you make it pretty. Okay. And I'm going to jot that one down. So we talked about looking at your clutch. The next would be looking at your fluids for both your brake and your hydraulic clutch. So there's a little window on your clutch master and hopefully your fluid inside is not a dark molassesy brown. Um, okay. you, you want it to be um, unlike your beer. You want it to be <laughs> I was clear. Just thinking of like okay, let's, you want let's... it to be clear. So, so it, this is more like PBR. You want it to be not too much like a Guinness. No, like a Bud Light. A Bud Light. Bud Light. Okay. <laughs> this is or, great. Or or like or Coors Light even. Somehow, there like it just be, came from the mountain. We need to get a PDF of. What should your brake fluid look like? <laughs> on a beer scale. Yeah, on a That'd beer be a, scale. Yes. You could tell the scale's made in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, God, it hurts my side. Okay. Um, so so yeah. you want to take a look at the fluid. Um, if you poured some uh, fresh brake fluid onto a piece of tinfoil uh, without touching it or looking at it, you might think it's water. Uh, oh, wow. It's the only time you wouldn't do that is if it's dot five because dot five is synthetic and they dye it. So and that that's it, DOT, the Department of Transportation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Why do they dye it? So that you can tell tell that you're putting the correct stuff in. Oh, no kidding. Or you can see if so we've had people put the wrong stuff in 
and okay. we can take a look at the fluid right away. We can take a little syringe, take a little bit out, and we can see that it's uh, clear, and we know they put the wrong brake fluid in. So then we have to drain the whole system and flush it out because sure. uh, swapping brake fluids is not good. It will damage your seals. Why? So another day. So, yeah. I mean, why why come up with so many different kinds of brake fluid? But, yes, another day. So, so I'll answer that question. So DOT5 is synthetic, and it's made for high-heat situations on sport bikes. Interesting. Race And race bikes. But why not just have that on every bike, then? Because, it, be, because that's four just... times more expensive. Oh, that's why. Yeah. All the money. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So you want to, and both your brake and your clutch, you want to make sure that uh, the fluid is amber or clear. If it's getting to dark brown, to a porter or... I was just thinking, <laughs> where in our beer scale? Yeah. If it's a porter, you want to you want to get it flushed out. <laughs> the one so. time we're having a porter is not a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Hydraulic fluid. So, so that's it. That's the brake fluid and, yeah, and the clutch. Yeah, so. so one thing that I didn't put on here is your paint finish. So if you had a cover on the motorcycle, I applaud you. Yeah. If you didn't, no, um, did you, you don't... On lighter color paints, you can get away with wiping them off. But okay. you, if you have a dark colored bike, please don't just wipe it off if it's got a good layer of dust on it. Take it out and hose it off in order to get that dust off because as soon as you take a rag and wipe it across the dust, you're scratching your paint. Sure. I am, I would say I am a 9 out of 10 because I, I hate using 10 out of 10, but I am a 9 out of 10 for cleanliness on we go down south we pick up conversion vans we bring them up to wisconsin we we flip them for a profit and everything from for the cleaning aspect i am very very meticulous very very picky because it's hard to mess up you can burn through paint Mm -hmm. done it my f-350's got two spots where i burn through right above the goddamn Dually wheels. It's either on a corner or it's on a crest in the body yep. line somewhere. Yep, yeah. right yeah. above the wheel well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I, I totally agree. And it's so easy. I mean, come on, how much easier is it to keep clean a little tiny motorcycle? I want to do a sidebar on windshields. Okay. So never, ever clean a windshield with a paper towel. Okay. If you see anybody coming at your motorcycle with a paper towel to clean your windshield, immediately tackle them. Apologize later. <laughs> what's what's so just, your uh, remedy for uh, the the windshield cleaning? Uh, microfiber. So, so if if I'm on a long trip and I've made a good collection of bugs on the windshield, I carry a dirty towel uh, in my bike. Sure. And I'll get it soaked. With water, and then I lay it on the windshield, let it soften the bugs. Oh, that's a good idea. I pull that off, and then I use a microfiber to clean off the that's windshield. A, I never would have thought of that. I always do, always a microfiber. And my God, you know, when I had microfibers growing up in high school, you know, in like the 90s, microfibers were very expensive, mm-hmm. and they were only used on very fancy cars. Now yeah. you can get them so freaking cheap. Yeah. And you can, like you said, just take a microfiber. You can get 20 of them for five bucks. But here's a fun fact. If you've got water spots, water spots are so prevalent. Um, you can use 50% vinegar, 50% water. It will take off a little layer of wax. So you want to shoot some spray wax, you know, a good spray wax or, you know, just throw some wax on it. But that it does an amazing job getting water spots off almost everything. So, okay. Um Hydraulic fluid, then. Yeah. Oh, we hit it. Oh, we, we did? We, yeah, that was with... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that you you must have napped in that part. <laughs> that was talking about uh, brakes and clutches. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, so it's, you know, we did gas, too. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so the next thing, after you do all those things, is get out and enjoy. Yeah. Are you ready for... Do you want to... So you're going to start it up, and hopefully your engine start, sounds as good as it did when you put it away. Is the theory behind it. So we have had a couple bikes that we started up and uh, shot mice out the exhaust. Have you really? Yep, shotgun. I've, I've had, it's not uncommon on our farm to do that with a, a little mice nest right out the exhaust. I mean, yeah. you just, I don't know, you feel bad. It's like, sorry, guys, go someplace else. Yeah. But um, I think it's, uh, yeah, it, I had, so again, I am vegan, 
I don't like killing animals. You know, that kind of stuff just bothers me for when, when I do it, you know, when I hit an animal on the road or something, it just, it crushes me. But, um, I bought my first tractor when we lived in the city. Why I had a tractor in the city, I don't know. I wanted a tractor. But uh, we parked it out back in this little tiny shed. And it was just an overgrown lawnmower, really. But um, I didn't want to prep it for winter storage. And came out in spring. And it it had like $3,000 worth of wiring damage all over it from the mice. Yeah. It pissed me off so much. The amount of damage that a little mouse can do is just bonkers. Yeah. So I have a um, a test for you to see if you can get, if you can guess what kind of motorcycle this is just from the sound. And I, I've got some hints. You ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Let me see if I can pull this up. Talking. Okay, so this is stock. So it sounds like a twin. Yes. Now this is a little bit closer. Still stock. And now this is switched over to a Yosh exhaust. continent <laughs> okay so here's i'll give you some guesses weighs 525 pounds no they're they're gonna get no okay what kind of bike do you think it is well you said a v-twin yeah yep you're right there yeah okay um it was rated as one of the 10 best bikes in 2007 by motorcycle magazine okay um, it has a worldwide following, surprisingly enough. As in they're picking up parts or people really enjoy it all over the world? <laughs> That's genius. It, um, let's see, I've got, it outsells its counterparts of the thousand, the larger thousand CC and the smaller 250 CC version. It outsells those bikes. This is a 650. And I'll give you one more. You, you'll probably get it from this. It, do, it doesn't sound like a Bonneville to me. Tri no. Triumph Bonneville. Nope. No. Uh, the V in the name is rumored. Nobody knows where it came from. Still not. Augusta? No. No. But MV that's, Augusta. That's a, oh, that, oh, my God. That would be a hard one. I wanted to pick something that, you know, is a little bit more. Oh, I love MV Augusta. Uh, Suzuki V-Strom. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's got that tinginess. Now, let's see. Let's do it one more time. You'll hear it with... See, I threw myself off with... Because the V-Strom, I think, is a four-cylinder. No. It's a V-twin. V4. I don't know. <laughs> this is... So next, next time, you're going to be in charge of facts. <laughs> But it definitely, when you hear it, you definitely can hear. I thought I, I thought for sure I was going to grab a bike that was specific, you know, uh, a unique motor, something that would. So which one did you have? The 650? Yes. So the 650 is a twin cylinder. It is. Yep. Okay. Eight valve. So, um, okay. Well. V twin. So next <laughs> podcast. I say I'll put you to the test or have one of your people, one of have your people talk to my people, which is just me and um, have them pick out a bike and I'll see if we need some facts about it. And let's see if we can 
Um, get something that's a little bit more prevalent. You know, I was thinking like a Ducati Monster. Something that's, you can tie. I like V-Twins and I like Ducati. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think we're probably, yeah, we're good to go with timing. Thank you all. Yeah. Thank you. One, We have one official listener, which I think we already said is, is your daughter in California. We possibly suspect, but hopefully now we'll, we'll grow and get Maybe more. two listeners. Yes. That, that, see, that would be the highest improvement that you could ever hope for. <laughs> 100% improvement. I love this. Double your listening. If your employees ever balk about not working, I should just be like, well, just barely work and then kind of work and be like, listen, Ron, I doubled the amount of workload I'm doing. Um, okay, hopefully we're going to be back next week. I know you've got uh, a little trip you're going on. I've got some stuff I've got going on. We'll be back either next week or shortly thereafter. We'll go from there. Sounds good. Adios. Bye-bye.